Two friends, two friends from a small town in West Virginia have one thing in common. A love of hip hop. So it's only right that they get together to wax poetic about what they love. This is Hip Hop Manifesto. Did you hear about the Dollar and Dream Tour? No. So uh, J. Cole is going to be doing this Dollar and a Dream Tour where there's going to be zero heads up notice about like where exactly it's going to be and maybe even when. And so tickets are first come, first serve, and they're a dollar a piece to get into his shows. Nuh-uh. Seriously. That's, that's awesome. I love that idea. Yeah. I like that a lot. I, I wish a more artist would embrace that idea. A dollar. That's awesome. Got a dollar and a drink. You know what? I Since I got my car or whatever in September and my CD player doesn't play uh, burn CDs very well, the only CD I have in that car is Jake Cole, The Sideline Story. That's literally the only CD, physical CD I have anymore. And um, I even got an iPod adapter or whatever, but it's been acting up this past week, so I'm probably going to buy another one, which kind of sucks. But uh, um, I, I listen to that, like every t- whenever I forget my iPod or anything, I just listen to that CD. And I was like, every time I listen to it, I'm like, man, this CD is so good. Like, I think it's underrated from, I don't think it got enough credit because I think people were hating that he put, uh, what was it, um, Lights Please and In the Morning on there. Like the Drake song and like, since they're old songs. Mm-hmm. But like, the pretty much once you, the last half of that CD is like really fucking dope. <laughs> Well, do you, since we just keep talking about hip hop, do you want to go ahead and get started? <laughs> Welcome to Hip Hop Manifesto. I've been recording for like five minutes anyway. <laughs> so, I am your host, Kellen B. Conley, and my co host, all the way in the sunny, sunny shores of Wisconsin. Shores. The only shores are on the Great Lakes, but it's, it's sunny. <laughs> Madison, Wisconsin is my, is my cohort and my better half. Besides my better half, I'm getting married too soon. Is uh, Matthew Chivalry Spencer? If she's your better half that you're getting married to, and I'm your other better half, what's the other? That, that, that's everything. It's just me and your wife. That means I'm perfect. <laughs> that's what it means. <laughs> I ain't got no worries. So B hyphen's getting married here in two weeks. Is that right? Uh, yeah, it's very close. It's uh, I think I think it's three weeks. Uh, three weeks, yes. Two weeks. And- there yeah t- yeah it'll be one week will be next sunday two weeks yeah three weeks wow three weeks out S- i'm not scared I- i'm i'm more w- nervous about everything going right than i am scared <laughs> basically but i mean you can never predict these things and we actually went to a wedding yesterday and we were while we enjoyed being at the wedding we were studying <laughs> I feel like we were kind of like watching and watching how things are went and what we wanted to do and how like we wanted to order things and make sure that things went smoothly and and how they did this and we didn't want to do this and stuff like that so it was a really good learning experience because like we said on the way back it's like you watch a wedding sometimes and uh like you go to weddings and you just go to them and don't even think about it but when you're about to have a wedding and then you go to a wedding it definitely feels like you're in class <laughs> well, just wait till after you're married, then you get really judgmental. They're like, "Oh, look at these! They they went with these invites. Yeah, <laughs> these." Huh. 
They skipped yeah. their envelopes. Or they, oh, they hand addressed everything. Yeah, we skipped that shit. <laughs> <laughs> we hand addressed a lot of ours, I think. Yeah, you did, like a crazy person. Well, <laughs> yeah, you're right. You I got. I'd like have all those like mailing labels you get from like charities and stuff sent to your house. Yeah. Like, Honey, can we just put these on all the uh, invites? <laughs> See that we weren't that smart. We did invite um Brock and Michelle though. Really? Yeah, because apparently when you do that, um, it takes them about six weeks to get back to you, but they'll send you a card saying congratulations and sign the president Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, or something like that. And I was like, I want that. <laughs> oh man, I'm so jealous i didn't think about that i forget what we saw that on we were watching something and they said you should invite the president and i, I was like how cool would it be if like like a chopper just comes down middle of the wedding like in the field and like i can still get off you did a pretty actually uh if i was barack obama i'd be really pissed off at you because you did that thing where you know someone can't make it because they need six weeks heads up but then you mail it out with less than six weeks no we, we, it, we, we, like, oh well i was gonna go to kellen b hyphen conley's wedding but he didn't give me enough time to respond <laughs> oh, I, he didn't really want me to come no i sent him his invitation when the same time i sent yours out so i don't want to hear that bullshit that's that's some passive aggressive midwest stuff that would be awesome <laughs> if barack obama came to the wedding though like angel would be pissed though i think Everybody be like talking about the president instead of her. You'd have snipers everywhere around you, I think. Yeah, I could probably get. I might need to invite some people I need to get rid of. That's scary because I'm going to be the only one that's like very slyly reaching into like a breast pocket. (laughs) 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 You'd be Uh, assassinated before you're even actually married. That would be sad. (laughs) I would be. I would cry. I'd be like, no, and be like. The picture of Superman from like Crisis and Infinite Earths, like I don't know, like ten or whatever. He's holding Supergirl and she's dead. And he's like crying. It would be like that, except you would be my Supergirl and I'd be, of course, be. <laughs> I don't want to I be. Would be you would be my dead Supergirl and I would be the grieving Superman. Uh, that's so so bad. I'm just so, telling it like it is, bro. It's funny because I uh, I don't know. I was I was just rhyming to myself the other day and I was uh, rhyming about hip hop after thirty. Because, you know, hip-hop is so youthful and you, you don't really hear a lot of rappers talking about, oh, I'm getting married and dealing with that stuff. So it's kind of weird how uh, the themes that you relate to in hip-hop like change so much. Yeah. I, I rapped a little bit on the last mixtape about getting married and stuff like that. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's just weird. Like, I could listen to the exact same artist that I've always listened to but now different things appeal to me. Like, uh, there's this line in this one Tribe Called Quest song where Q-Tip's like, I need a ride, crib, mutt, wife. And I was like, listen to a Tribe Called Quest and it just blew my mind. I mean, that album's been out like, what, 15 more years now? And all of a sudden it's like, I got my ride, I got my crib, I got two mutts. Right. My wife, I'm like, wow, th- this, is wh- this is what I've come from now. It's not like, listening to all the other other songs and pulling out different you know more gangster themes or more just trying to be uh you know when you're desperate or poor or something like that so it's it's kind of weird it, it, it is weird and i think it's good that some artists are brave enough to i mean q-tip's been in the game for years but i mean i think it's really good that they're brave enough to be like i'm not gonna sit here and lie and act like i'm 
fucking bitches and hoes. I'm I'm at the crib with my wife playing Xbox right now. Like I think that's important to have that balance in hip hop. And my dog is over here going crazy. He just got a bath. That's why I'm distracted. He's he's hiding under a pillow. I think they were talking about Method Man, but maybe I don't know. Maybe it wasn't Method Man. This is this is some years ago. They were saying how a lot of big name rappers are actually married, right? Even though they're talking about being with groupies like and all these women, obviously, like that's about as false as their their gangster claims of killing people. <laughs> but yeah. How a lot of rappers don't wear their wedding rings, and how it's kind of like a thing that, like, their publicist or their um, I don't know their their image consultant or whatever tells them to do, so they can kind of keep that image going. Right. Um, I, I think Ice T wears his wedding ring, <laughs> but he's not really a rapper anymore, is he? Ice Cube. I think that should be our next show. Rappers that actually wear their wedding rings on the next hip hop manifesto. <laughs> Why would kill you if you're like, honey, I'm going to get on stage, but. I'm just gonna take this off on me. No, I'm, you don't know how excited I am to get my wedding ring. Cause we like we got the thing. I was like, can I wear it? And she's like, no, you can't wear it. I'm like, why? Like, just let me wear it. It's not a big deal. <laughs> I mean, obviously it is. Like, you get to wear an engagement ring. How come I can't wear my wedding ring? I should have been like, I want an engagement ring too. I, you know, I know some people that have done that, and it's it's not something that I would ever do. It's weird enough wearing one ring all the time. I can't imagine like, oh, I'm gonna need another one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 my ring's dope though. Wait till you see my ring. You'll be like, damn, son. I'm like, yeah. That's if I give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> be like, Man, nope. This didn't happen today. I'm putting this on my other finger. <laughs> <laughs> like here, you can have mine. <laughs> So uh, what's the theme of today? I was about to get to that, actually. Um, this episode is actually entitled Why Hip Hop Still or Why Still Hip Hop. What did we decide? Uh, Wait, did I write, write it down? Two. Um, I, okay, I think we went with Why Hip Hop Still? Question why mark. Hip Hop Still? Yeah, that's good. Yes, because... After we finished our um, Kanye episode, which y'all have not heard yet, but it's amazing, and I should really get out since Jesus comes out this week, um, we were like, what are we going to do next? And I was like, I've really been thinking. It's been 07. It's been uh, six years since we first sat down to do an ep- start this podcast. And um, our first episode was Why Hip Hop? And like in that six years, my taste in hip hop have changed so greatly. <laughs> and it's like, I feel like especially since this is going to be our 13th episode i feel like it's a good idea for us to follow up on that initial idea um and kind of go back to why we still are hip-hop fans so matthew yes let's pretend we're back in pennsylvania avenue in that tiny tiny recording room i used to have with the huge entertainment stand took up most of the room and we're sitting across from each other and i'm in the broken chair and you're in a wooden chair and i'm like so matthew why hip-hop still <laughs> so my dog is rolling around on the floor grunting. See, we our dogs are. <laughs> Brooklyn's over here hiding underneath the pillow. He's so cool. He's he took a bath. And now he's all frantic. He's a so, I had this moment uh, a couple months ago where <laughs> I decided that I was gonna listen to some old music that I had on an external drive, and it was music that I haven't touched in a long time. It was it was Ram Sayers and Def Juck stuff and it was, just, it was my entire MP3 collection 
it's like I pulled it out of a time capsule because I just hadn't touched the drive. Since right. I, you know, was a, a mass pirater of music. <laughs> I I listen to the stuff I remember like liking all the time. Like I listen to like corrupt, like that's gangsta and triology, and I remember listening to like DMX and just all sorts of songs that I, I just I loved when they came out. And the thing is, like, most of them did not stand the test of time. Uh, and it, either that, either it hasn't stood the test of time, or I've kind of grown past it. But it right. was strange because I just had like this moment of clarity where I felt like I don't know, fifteen-year-old chivalry or twenty-year-old chivalry was a huge hypocrite. <laughs> I remember thinking, oh, well, what's wrong with hip-hop? And this is, you know, like 15-year-old when you speak. What's wrong with hip-hop is all the women that just, like, want to shake their ass and, like, they're not really listening to what's being said and they just listen to the beats. Yeah. And, like, the people that cater to that and everything else. Not that women are wrong with hip-hop. It's just I was more, you know, generalizing it towards, like, the club hip-hop era. And so, <laughs> if anybody takes a soundbite from the show, it's gonna be that. Like, yeah. like women are stupid when they listen to hip hop. Matthew Chivalry Spencer. It's gonna be on CNN headline yeah. news tomorrow. NSA is gonna have it in about like you know five years when I'm eligible to run for president. I know. Take me out. Smear campaign. <laughs> I'll be the one running it. I'm like, yo, we said this in this episode. Hip hop manifesto. You can use this, and I'll be on your campaign team at the same time. <laughs> Cause I'm shady like that. Like I'm a hater. Yeah, I remember that. I want you to be president. We'll never get to hang out then. <laughs> what I was thinking is like I was pretty much doing the same thing. Like, like a lot of those songs, like their lyrics actually suck. Like, yeah. Like it now, you know, like, so bad. Slater or something. No one's talking about corrupt. <laughs> DMX. DMX was hot at the time, but even that stuff's not like. He's he's more known for having drug issues, and he's been on like two reality shows. One was about getting sober, and I think he was on that couples therapy show that VH1 runs. He was on the first season with Tashira. Sh- so I mean, he's more known for his issues than he is his music. Even when he tried to, I think he put out an album last year, and like he did a big show SOBs where he ran through all the hits, and it's like DMX Live is always gonna be DMX Live. He's always gonna be incredible. Um, I was listening to the audio stream, and he sounded dope. It was great. He didn't do any new stuff. He just did classics. And it's like he still has the, like he has that pack. Like that's never going to change. But the DMX change with the Toms and continue to develop his career, or was it more the drugs derailed him? But regardless, like you said, he's not relevant anymore. So, you know, that made me really stop and think about my taste in music and like how it's different now versus how it is then. Mm-hmm. And- some artists like i still maybe i relate to on a different level now like i said before about a trap called quest and things like talib quality have always kind of been like grown-up music so now that i feel like i am a grown-up like i i can still appreciate it though i still don't listen to that much talib anymore but yeah what i have found is that uh i don't know like one reason the hip-hop still resonates with me somehow is even though my tastes have now become like more eclectic like it kind of gives me like a deeper appreciation of like the music itself. So like, like I've been listening to like a lot of reggae lately and you'll hear like super beagles, like dust a sound. And you're like, Hey, that's Kanye West. That, that, that's, that's uh he did mercy from this song. And like, Oh man. Right. 
you'll listen to like Max Romeo, like I Chased the Devil, and you're like, oh, that's Lucifer. Or, you know, like you'll go back and you'll start listening to like jazz or something. You'll hear like Nina Simone for like sampled in Sinner Man, or you'll hear like, and you go to other stuff like uh, Herb Albert did uh, Rise, which like Hypnotize used. And you listen to like James Brown, and you're like, oh, the boss, oh, that's, that's from Nas got Get Down, okay. And you know, you could do that like all day. And it's it's cool because as your your tastes grow kind of beyond hip hop, it kind of I don't know, it kind of builds like this interconnectedness and just kind of it's fun. It's like in every single hip hop song, there's like an inside joke. Yeah, and it's like a little piece that like if you are a music head or you are up on current events or you've listened to a lot of hip hop and a rapper like really studied the art it's something that just you and the artist like kind of connect with and that that really does it for me and one like really really good example of that is if you listen to uh skills he has the song um what was it I, oh shit <laughs> the google you don't know the song <laughs> uh man it, so it's it like i love her or something like that what was it called was it was it a couple years old or is this off his last album he just put out or it wasn't that long ago it's one of the last few songs because yeah. he he's retired from making he said he's not doing more albums now yeah we'll see how that goes but I think he still tours with Jazzy Jeff all the time it's a shame that I don't have it but it's like I love her or something like that and basically or like I still love her or something like that and it's yeah. not it's not like the comments on where hip hop is the metaphor and then that's it. Well, actually, that's not even right either. So, are you sure it's not skills? I still love her. Yeah, that's it. So, okay, because that did come up in the Google. So, all right. So, skills has this great example of it called "I Still Love Her." Mm-hmm. What he does is he takes kind of like the the common song uh, where he's talking about hip hop and everything's like a metaphor for hip-hop and like the the things like his his beef with ice cube and stuff like that well skills takes it to the point where he takes all the lines in hip-hop that have to do with women in Mm hip-hop you know like uh miss mahogany roxanne roxanne's song like 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 even like females that are in hip-hop or in r&b related things he's like ties them all together in almost every single line has to do with with that and i just remember listening to it and besides the fact that it's a good song and it's uh everything about it's good it's just that every line you know exactly what song he's talking about and yeah you know the exact reference and you're like wow that that hits me like in a place like that i can't talk about with anyone else i'm not going to be able to bring it up to my wife she's not going to be able to enjoy that so it's like yeah private piece of music that i get because that's a lot of work like that he put into it because it's not like it, it's a different form of art with hip-hop because like you see you hear all the time about jay-z doesn't write down lyrics or little wayne goes in the booth and freestyles his lines so he has a whole song and everything you always hear about people being so fast off the top and creating people like doing an interview like oh i wrote this song in 10 minutes and it's like this song that you think is amazing but you don't take the i don't, I don't think 
some people don't respect the fact that somebody like skills will maybe for skills is easy for him to sit down and whatever write that because he's his head is you know how skills is he's a great writer regardless so maybe he pulled all these quotes and everything with no problem and made them all fitting within the context of the song but at the same time you have to respect the research and the dedication that he put towards that topic and the concept to stay within the whole theme of paying tribute and still creating a, a new song off of a old concept that came out in 1994 originally when Com- common drive resurrection so I, I feel like that's something that's that part of the art form is underappreciated because for example i'll sit there and if i'm writing a verse like a verse will take me where 10 15 minutes depending on like because i can just sit there and text it out on my blackberry or whatever and if the beat's playing like i was in the studio with um uh big chief and zach and e and like i wrote my my verse in like 20 minutes chief took an hour but he doesn't really rap like that anymore and in fact took a little bit longer and even though i think i have the best verse on that song i still respect the fact that the word i still think that is pretty much close because of the way that that way that writes is just different he's more cerebral about why what he's writing and while i'm cerebral as far as trying to stay on the topic and trying to get my rhymes to flip and everything it, it's just, i respect that's ethic more because i know he actually there's more of a process to him uh, for him writing than it is for me writing just because that's just we're just different but i respect his way he respects mine and it's the same with um artists like skills skills sits down and writes a song like that which you consider something very personal and classic for you and then at the same time jay-z goes in the booth and does a song like glory about when the baby was born and for me that song's like deeply personal and moving and i know that jay literally walked in the booth and after sitting there with the beat for so long and just spit it out so it's, it's two different processes but they both are deserve more respect um than they actually credit for especially in the days now 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 age if i'm getting to the point finally <laughs> so uh, and by the way, that song, I just remember the title. It's Love and Hip Hop. Oh, Love and Hip Hop. Okay. So, I mean, it's it's great for that. And I mean, maybe every genre of music has that. But some music, I feel like, is harder to make those connections. Like, if you're listening to, say, classical music, and some composer uh, does a piece, and it's just it's a nod to... I don't know, maybe lots of pieces before it. Mm-hmm. You have to be a very trained listener to catch that, you know? You're like, oh, well, so-and-so composer from back in the day or did this sort of thing, or Mozart would always have the wood winds things come on at this time or something. Right. I feel like in hip-hop, it kind of stays more current, faster, if that makes sense. And therefore it's also kind of more accessible to just like everyone else. So even though there's those inside jokes, anyone can kind of pick up all the references that happened before it just by kind of being around and just living every day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. So that's a, that's a big reason. Uh, I'll, I'll end with that. What about you? Um, well, I, w- I wanted to pick up on something else that you had said before I say that um, about the samples, about how you're re- you've been recognizing stuff in reggae and so and so use that. Um, there's actually like I've gotten really big in the not so much like samples as like, oh, man, I have to know what 
song sample disc but sometimes i'll get curious and i'll just google like oh what song sample this and for example there's this kanye song that's on graduation called i wonder and i've always loved the song and i mean you don't hear a lot of people talking about it, it was never a single it's just an album cut and i've just always liked the, the sample that's in it and i looked it up and it's by this guy i'm probably going to slaughter his name but his name's like labby serif or savvy Safray. like it's l-a-b-i-s-i-f-f-r-e and the song is called my song and I listened to just his ver- ver- version of the song, and actually, that's I was like, I have to have this song. Because it's like, you kind of see it where Kanye, alone from just getting the, the sample for the hook, um, but you kind of see why Kanye went the direction he did with um, I Wonder, just based on the song that he did, um, that he sampled it from. And I feel like, of course, hip-hop's always been so sample-based anyway, like from the break breeds in the very beginning. But especially now, as I transition to Wasto hip-hop, um, I, I, I feel like a, a sample can bring a certain sound or even idea to, or even more artistry to the music. It's not like, it's not just like, oh, well, let me go sample still not a player because I am a pop singer and I want Mac Miller to be on my single and now we have a single out that sounds just like still not a player it's not like that but I feel like I feel like just certain songs like they just have so much meaning because the original song meant so much to the artist who sampled it or who bought the beat or however that goes so I just wanted to say that about your little, the your part about sampling if you know what I mean like reinterpreting everything yeah, it's almost like yeah, a reinterpretation, because more so than like a, a refresh. Yes, like just it's more like paying homage to, because like when you're doing break beats, like when the, when it first started, it was like they would take like four seconds of a break beat and then just make it into this three minute. Um, beat that they, they could go my name is Cole when my men I'm going down the block in my radio you know back, like how hip hop was when it first started but now it's almost like you know what I really love this random even though Prince wouldn't clear it random Prince sample I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this Prince sample and I'm going to build upon it and I'm going to make a song out of it because this song inspires me to do what I do but Prince wouldn't clear it because Prince never clears anything. But we know that. <laughs> but why hip hop still for me? Oh God, <laughs> I I was having major issues with hip hop. Probably it was probably fall of uh, last year, especially because um I would I would turn on the the XM the Sirius XM and stuff and play the hip hop channels, and there's just so much bad music out. That I just did not like anymore, and it's and it's one thing. It's like okay, yeah, that's the radio. Of course, the radio is gonna be playing that kind of stuff. But like, I, there was that one song, cashing out, and like, huh, huh, I'm cashing out, I'm cashing out, and it's like you got that. And then Mercy was out. Mercy was cool. I mean, I I have guilty pleasure for any Two Chains music, as we discussed last episode. So that's okay. <laughs> but then you have people like. Like the ASAP, 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 ASAP Rockies, and the not so much Schoolboy Q because I like Schoolboy Q now, but there's just certain. Let's still stick with the ASAP group that's coming out of Harlem right now, like ASAP Rocky, ASAP Ferg, all them, all them dudes. ASAP Rocky. Yeah, I'm not even playing. Their group is literally called ASAP, and then they each have ASAP in front of their name, and then it's like ASAP Chivalry, ASAP hyphen. 
Well, it's just that you're like so close to saying ASAP Rock every single time. I know. Uh, ASAP! ASAP. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other artists, but it's just like I turn on the radio and like normally with hip hop radio, you would at least hear something and be like, all right, this is this is good. I, I can I can hang, hang on to this. And like, even though I had the con- the good music compilation was out last summer. And so it's like, OK, I can I like those songs. I like certain two chain songs. I like Rick Ross kind of I like his stuff. But at the same time, it's like it all sounds it's not doing anything for me. It's like I can sit here in the car and ride around like right I'm beginning in mercy, you know, chicken. So they're like, I can do that all day, but it's like it's not doing anything for me. And I don't know whether it was I'm the law. And I mean, because you had Watch the Throne in 2011. And so and then Drake came out at the end of 2011. I don't know if it was a lack of artists that I really loved. And Cole hadn't been out since 2010. Like he's just now getting ready to put out a new album. Um, and like you're at the same time there there's so much music out there anyway that i almost felt over no i didn't almost i was overwhelmed just by the lack of quality the lack of um content in the actual music that was making it the radio or just stuff and then when i go on the on the internet or whatever and i go rap radar there's just so much stuff and it's like i don't like I don't have time to listen to all this because a few years ago I used to listen to everything and now that the even thought of me trying to keep up with everything just blows my mind and maybe it's because I was in radio at the time um, and I was doing the U92 thing and it was a little easier then but or maybe even had more time because <laughs> just to sit around and do that stuff but now it just the thought of me sitting there and being up on every single thing I like I couldn't even imagine it and I was I was at the point where I was like, man, I really don't want to listen to hip hop. Like I'd, I'd rather listen to old stuff. I mean, new hip hop. I would go back, like you said, and I was like, I'm gonna listen to Reasonable Doubt. I'm gonna listen to I Am. I'm gonna listen to College Dropout. Like I'm gonna listen to stuff I love because it means so much to me. And it wasn't until I'm gonna say a little ditty came out at the top of the year that I shared with you that you immediately love called Started from the Bottom by Drake. <laughs> That's, that's my guilty pleasure because that song like I think anyone could make <laughs> it is simple as fuck I mean seriously I mean the hook is simple the wrong I mean but there's something about that song it's it's all about the way that Drake delivers it for me because like the first time you heard it you're probably like oh that's cool whatever it's a Drake song but I think by the time you listen to it, like the third or fourth time it's it's just such an anthem it's an anthemic song because it's like it could be about anything. I mean, of course, Drake's talking about like starting from being a kid in Toronto to going to Degrassi to being on being on with Lil Wayne and being one of the biggest stars in the world. That's basically his started from the bottom. But starting from the bottom appeals to anybody. It's like fuck. You can get promoted at your job, but like started from the bottom. Now we hit. Like he even did that in the video where he was working at the convenience store, the grocery store. And he got promoted, and then him and his homies were all celebrating. But it's such an anthemic thing, and I think that's a lot of what hip hop has been missing is the anthems and the everyday um, um, being able to relate to everyday topics. Like, cause everything's gotten so flossy. Like, I'm out with my new bitch. My whip is new too. I'm in the Maybach, and she's sucking my dick too. Like, like that's what you hear on the radio. Yeah. And it's like, I, as much as all those things appeal to me, <laughs> I can't. It doesn't click. It doesn't click, man. But it's like when that song came out, that's when things started to turn. 
And then you had he did that on um, 5 a.m. in Toronto joint, which is cool. And then Cole has been dropping those truly yours EPs, mixtapes, as he's gearing up to release Born Center on Tuesday. And it's like it, I feel like the authenticity has come back. But the main person who's really made me feel a lot better about myself, you know, I try to stay away as long as I could because everybody it was one of those things you know how I am it's like oh you should listen to this dude he's awesome and I'm like I don't want to fucking listen to that dude everybody else listens to him he must not be that great <laughs> but but I finally sat down and like because my my boy Hoops has been trying to get me to listen to him since he dropped section 80 and I just never took the time to do it aside from just watching a few videos I was like oh he's cool you know he did that one song high power with with J. Cole on it. And then finally I sat down with Good Kid Mad City by Kendrick Lamar. And I listened to that whole album. And I was like, this dude took a debut album. I mean, yes, he's signed to Aftermath. He's on t- his own little top dog entertainment with his three other um, homies who are also rappers. And like, yes, he he's not somebody who just came out of nowhere. He's obviously paid dues, especially for Dre to pay attention to him and put him on Aftermath. And I don't know why my hands are doing this. Um, but <laughs> he took his debut album and like he had put out albums before, like Section 80. And there was a few other ones and some mixtapes before. But he took it and instead of him just making a debut album with I'm going to get the hottest singles, hottest features. I'm going to try to sell millions of copies of this record and everything. I have this big look. He literally... On the CD, it says a short film by Kendrick Lamar. And basically, he tells a story of an entire day throughout the context of the whole album. Like from the time he's getting up and trying to get with this girl, Shireen, to the time he's riding around his homies and they're all freestyling and he's doing a backseat freestyle. And then from the time that they go to rob a house and then somebody's in the house that he's in and he's smoking weed that's laced by accident and all this other stuff. Like and then he goes on later. One of his homies is killed. Like this is all in the course of the day. And then there's skits where he's talking to the, the homies are talking, and his mom's calling him about, "Yo, Kendrick, you need to bring the van back so I can go get stamps." And your dad wants to know where his dominoes are at. And you hear the dad in the background, "Boy, where my dominoes at?" It's just so. It's, it's such a visual, audio experience, and the fact that he had the balls, to come out with his major label debut like that, and just say. Fuck the status quo. Fuck what I'm sub- what um, people expect a major album to be. I'm gonna do it this way, and the fact that it was so widely embraced by everybody, um, like there's there's girls on like the typical white girls who love the Meek Mills and the Kanye. I love Kanye West. I love Big Sean. You have these bitches in there quoting word for word like me and the homies when he's talking literally talking about going in a house and ro- like getting looking for. It. Nintendo games and shit to steal and it's like for him to be able to touch that um, demographic that is so has been on such a flossy tip for years and years um, for him to be and do something that real of a project and literally tell a story throughout an album like that it made me realize that hip hop isn't as boring as I thought it had gotten and that's what really brought it back home that I still I still do love hip hop because I was worried I was like man like it's just not doing it for me but to listen to it this way and the way he did the album and to see that he was that brave and cared enough and he's that lyrical to do that that just changed my whole scope on things and so 
Good Kid Mad City is the why for why still hip hop for me. Because if that album hadn't came out, even with started from the bottom, I could be sitting here like, man, hip hop sucks anymore. Like Big Sean does a couple good verses, and Kanye's cool, but he's he's just an asshole half the time. And <laughs> and Jay Jay takes four years to do a project anymore. And I see him more out with Beyonce watching shows. I see him putting out music. Like I would seriously be sitting here just bitching, but because of him taking that chance that's pretty much the main reason because he showed it was still cool to take chances in hip-hop i mean does he still do a song like fucking problem with asap rocky and drake and all that other stuff yeah and does cfx still sit there and be like kendrick sucks on anything except his own music because he i'm like like i don't like the way he raps i'm like you're just mad that he's not sitting there doing a concept because <laughs> you love concepts so much but let that man go do his guest verses and get his money or whatever and his exposure but what the f- said about kendrick lamar and the, uh, the girls listening to his music reminds me of when you and i were at rock the bells <laughs> with um, the girls the immortal technique shirts and like the ak-47 chains looking like they walked right out of the suburbs yes we're trying to act hard as they could possibly be for that show. Oh, that. They were younger than us. They had to be. Oh, they're way younger than us. And they had a Mortal Technique shirt on, and they, they had their little necklaces. They were behind us, right? Yeah. And they were just standing in line. And, like, like we weren't even going to go see a Mortal, Te- a Mortal Technique. And then it's like, I was like, <laughs> I don't know. I was like, how are these girls going harder than us, man? I think they would have cut you to get in line in front of you. Like, Shit. They would. You would have been stuck, but then they're going to go back home and listen to their Pink Friday albums or something. <laughs> but on the other hand, that um, that reminds me of another note that you brought up Ty, Ty Lib, And I kind of mentioned it last episode where it's like, when did I stop listening to Ty Lib? And Ty Lib actually has a single on um, the radio right now that has Miguel on it. It's called, uh, it's called Come Here. And basically, it's kind of like a metaphor for coming <laughs> but it's like come here and, and like he has Miguel to sex up the hook and you know Ty Lib he's like just basically talking his girl talk raps and he's still a great rapper and I like the song but like I like I'm sitting here and like if I was just down here by myself we weren't Skyping I was like man what do I want to listen to and it's like let me see do I feel like this is Ty Lib Quali no <laughs> I don't know that's and that's one of the things that kind of does bother me now it's like I love Ty Lib back when we did the first Why Hip Hop episode. And now it's like, I still know I love Talib, but is it, am I too lazy to listen to Talib? Or, am I, or is there just something I'm not, that's not clicking anymore when it comes to Talib, when it comes to just our relationship? Yeah, and I said it like that, my relationship to his music. Because Kanye came from the same, like he came in, like, like basically Talib brought Kanye into the game to the point where Dame's like, I want to, I want to fuck with this dude and sign him, like we talked last episode. And they were all in that backpack conscious movement. And it's like, Talib is the last person standing, because Kanye doesn't do that stuff anymore, regardless of all the screaming and all the other crap he does on Yeezus. I don't even know. I haven't listened to it yet. But regardless of what he says on there, um, most change his name, and apparently he signed the good music, but all he does is his stuff is just too heavy for me anymore. Cause he's always he's just empowerment. Well, not even empowerment. He's like y'all are y'all are slaves to to your life. Like that, basically every time I hear him rap, that's what I'm thinking he's gonna say. And then Q-Tip doesn't have to rap anymore. <laughs> like uh, I actually downloaded uh, he did uh, 
what was it? He did this town. It was a lecture he did at a. I can't remember exactly where he did it, but he did this whole lecture and somebody videotaped it, just him talking about his career and music and everything. It's like two hours long, him just sitting there playing records and stuff. Red and Bull I, Academy. what'd you say? Red Bull Academy. Yes, thank you. And I actually um changed into MB3. I'm just gonna listen to it as a podcast. Um, but like, he's not doing anything. Tribe is never making another album. We've known that for years, and it's like the Talib is the last person of the conscious movement. And it's like, do did I like not? Am I too grown up to be conscious anymore? Like, and that kind of bothers me. I don't. I don't know. Except to be too grown up to be conscious. I I, I know it's just weird. Like, do you understand what I'm saying though? <laughs> it's kind of strange because you think of. Conscious is kind of being like, well, you know, when you're younger, you look at conscious stuff as just like old man music. Like, oh, common, that, that, no, no, it's too old for me. Like, you know, it's like 35. So that's what you're thinking when you're 15. Now yeah. you're, and you're like, oh, I, I don't know. I think it's like you get apathetic, then you get passionate, then you get apathetic again. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's exactly what happened because I don't know if you listened to Common's last album that he put out. Um, but I was actually excited about it because I like heard some of the singles and like that's one where he had that. He had a couple lines dissing Drake in that one song. I was like, man, these singles sound really good. I have a feeling Common's going to put out a good album. Because Common is like every other album is listenable for him. I was like, oh, well, this is going to be a good album. I listened to it. It's like, it's kind of garbage. Because like, while on one hand, Common can still rhyme. Yes. At the same time, it's like, he's trying to fit in this mold that's not him. Where it's like, you hear him talking about, I'm going out. I got this bad bitch who's hollering at me. He's like, at the same time, though, I got to fix my daughter breakfast. And da-da-da-da-da. And, like, he's trying to balance all these things, and he just can't do it anymore. And he even had, like, it just seems like I'm... Common has really... I mean, I know we had this problem in the 90, or 90s or 2000s, like when Common went full dashiki with Erica Badu and did Electric Circus, which I still haven't listened to, even though I know you do love Electric Circus. Still haven't listened to it? No, I still haven't listened to it. Wow. I know. I'm bitter. <laughs> One day, I will listen to it. And then everybody's like, oh, Common fell off. Common's crazy. And then, of course, he drops B and Finding Forever with Kanye. And everybody's like, oh, Common's great. Everything. But it seems like he just... I mean, his acting career has never really caught on. I mean, he still gets roles, obviously, but he doesn't know anything else he can do. And so to see him try to fit in this box is still being popular and yet still trying to be common. It's really hard for him. And while Talib has managed not to get to that point, it just seems like his profile has just dropped exponentially. So vocab five. I don't know, when I think about, I had just kind of had like this weird like cycle with music. So I remember back when Shine came out and you had Bad Boys, right? Right. An awesome video. And you know, like Barrington Levy's like doing his Barrington Levy thing. <laughs> and I remember thinking at that point that hip hop had sampled the best that all the other music genres had to offer. It took the good parts out put it in some hip-hop, made it catchy, and then added some hip-hop verses and some nice drums to it. And I just, it's a shame that I was ever at that point because there are so many like songs I would have missed if I never eventually used that as like a gateway to like find something else. Like, like oh man, well, Bob Marley's like Three Little Birds or like Sister Nancy's like Roof Over Me Head or something like that. Like I would have never discovered that stuff. And I just kept kind of like thinking like, 
that that was hip hop because I liked all the the musical elements that are in it. But then you go back and listen to it, and you're like, Shine actually kind of sucked. <laughs> and once you come to that realization, you're like, well, damn, like if everything that was hot is not hot anymore, then like you know what is that? What, like what's left? And so. I kind of start to fall away from hip hop once I start to realize those things several years after listening to like Bad Boys and stuff. Right. And so then I started getting into other music. Like I remember really discovering like for me anyway, uh, Nina Simone. And I was like, wow, you listen to like Feeling Good or something You're like this is some really soulful music. Like sampling that is going to ruin it like no sample of that will ever really convey how deep those songs are like talib uh you know kanye sampled uh nina simone center man for get by right mm-hmm. yes and that that gave that song a lot of soul but it's still never as soulful as the as, original as the original was right like th- they can both coexist and both be good songs but you're missing out on one if you don't like hear all of it right so I was listening to that and I'm like, wow, this is this is really soulful music. And then I started like looking around, and so then you listen to uh, like uh, I remember when Amy Winehouse came out. Oh man, that was a game changer. And I mean, you listen to someone like Questlove, who I think is like a a musical genius, right? Right. He's probably the most uh, exposed person to good music as there is in the world. Yeah. And you should you should look up him talking about. When he got the first listen of the uh, the Back to Black album, like he he said it like he thought it was like the greatest music ever. Like he said it was going to change everything, and he heard it well before it was out. And that that album really resonated with me. And what was really weird is it did that, but yet Amy Winehouse is being like ridiculed like in the news and like her music that did come out like Rehab was like seen as just like a, a pop like pop song. And so then I had this moment where you're like, all right, if Shine is bad and everything that I thought was bad at that point was pop music, but yet I'm listening to something pop like Amy Winehouse and it sounds good. It's just like, what the hell? Like everything's topsy-turvy on me now. Like, <laughs> I can agree that Nina Simone exists independent of those two as being soulful, great music that no one would argue is great. Like, even though, like, I was playing Feeling Good the other day, my wife's like, you know, that's a beautiful song, but it's actually really simple, and a lot of people can sing it. But yes, it has all this soul. Like, no one's going to question that that's great. But you always have people like, Shine or Hip Hop is garbage, or, like, Pop Music is garbage. And usually, I mean, sometimes those people aren't the same people, but you can listen to, like, Amy Winehouse and be like, wow, this is really good. Right. So that opens a gateway. You're like, okay, if Pop Music is good, let's reevaluate some other things. And I remember Adele when Chasing Pavements came out. And I just thought it was just another single. Completely rode off Adele altogether. And then Mick Boogie put out uh, 1988, which kind of took the 19 album and then blended it with all these like old hip hop beats from like the 80s. And it was really good. Mm -hmm. Wow, man. All these these lyrics are great. Like I need to go listen to the actual like thing that he sampled this from. Listen to 19. And it resonated with me just like Amy Winehouse did. And then yeah. I went to 21, and it was just as good. And then 
you know, yeah, it got serious play on the radio. Adele is probably like one of the most famous musicians in the world right now. Or she should be. Most acclaimed, like current artist, right? Like even bigger than like uh, Tyler Sw- or Taylor Swift, right? So yeah, absolutely. You listen to Adele and you're like, okay, yeah, this is poppy. This is some ballad type stuff. But oh my God, man, that woman can sing. And so now that you like rethink of everything, you like reassess everything, you're like, okay, well maybe what I like in music is I just like some soul, right? So then I I started just really pulling back the curtain and listening to like everything that I could. And I came across uh, this this group called the Yale Spiznicks. The Yale Spiznicks? Yeah, so they're a acapella group from Yale. Okay. And that, that usually is not my alley of music, right? <laughs> but I, I came across this video on Reddit TV, and it was just this dude, this white dude with like a mohawk, and like, I think he had like a short sleeve shirt on and a tie or something. And he had some like crazy deep voice, but like dude could like really, really sing. And he sang uh, Tennessee Ernie Ford 16 tons. And I was like, what the hell? Like, this is this is some old country. I'm not going to like this stuff. <laughs> and the guy sang it, like, with a lot of soul and a lot of, like, okay, I'm going to make this song, like, great. And then I was listening to it, and then you're like, you know what? This, the message of this song resonates with me in all the ways that hip-hop used to. Like, it's a song that kind of is a throwback to, like, the Depression era of the United States. Like, even though Tennessee Ernie Ford was... I don't know, maybe around in like the 50s or something like that. But it's one of those like, there's like coal miner songs. Life yeah. sucks. I remember you telling me about this when you first listened be, to it. Yeah, I'm going to be tough. Like, I'm going to get through this. Like, I'm going to do what I have to do. I'm a man. I'm 40. To advance myself in the world and to hold my own, right? Yes. And like, anyone that listens to us on a regular basis know we're from West Virginia. And really, the coal mining connection stops right there. It's not the really. W's. But. So then I went back and listened to Tennessee Ernie Ford and, you know, the, the, the black and white video and the guy's like snapping his fingers the whole time he's singing. He's got this like horrible mustache. I'm like, I don't like the original, but I, <laughs> I like the message of the song. And then I thought, well, maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's maybe it's soul and maybe it's message. And so I dig, dug a little bit deeper and then I listened to, uh, and, you know, I was listening to a lot of reggae and finding all those samples and stuff that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. And I listened to... Damian Marley and I gave Damian Marley like a chance not that long ago and he did the album with Nas like Blood Brothers never listened to it and Distant Relatives our, yeah Distant Relatives uh, and our our good friend Jonathan listened to it and loved it and I thought it was garbage and I maybe it's just like the mood I was in I'll never give it another chance most likely right I uh, was on Pandora listening to my reggae and then Damien Marley's Welcome to Jam Rock came on. And Damien Marley is a whole different lane of reggae than what his dad was. And Welcome to Jam Rock. Yeah. On one hand, it's like, it's kind of like dance hall and, and some of those things that, uh, like you're listening to like Super Beagle or, or something like that, is in like just all these words that are garbled and like this nice like melody and you have no idea what's going on. Or like I mentioned Roof Over Me Head earlier, which is like a really hypnotic song. And you just kind of have that that going on and never really cared much for that. But then you start hearing like how much hip hop has influenced that era of music. That, that, like, yeah. That. And then you start hearing like 
talking about some of the themes that are in hip hop, like drug dealing, like the drugs that are in Jamaica and like having a, an extra magazine in your back pocket, you know, like, and you're like, wow, like, I feel like at that point, I really kind of came full circle with everything. And liking the one music helps me like the other, and it all comes back to hip hop, and you're like, wow, hip hop is this, this living, breathing thing that exists and spills over and affects, like, hip hop culture has affected everything. Like, it, it's affected marketing for, like, Sprite from, like, the old, like, Obey Your Thirst ads to, like, to I'm loving it at McDonald's. And, like, hip hop is now so much a part of everything else that you can hate hip hop but you have to accept hip hop because you have no choice because it's so integrated now that yeah like an old man walk an old white man walking down the street is going to have like a, a Peli Peli shirt on or like a shotgun <laughs> shirt on or something right and he doesn't know that you know Sean Puppy or P, or P Diddy has uh, been you know the the figurehead of that or that Jay-Z has done, you know, like Rockaway or back in the day or something like that. Like that connection's not there for them. It's just it's just clothes or it's just McDonald's. And it's it's unavoidable. And yeah. That's when you realize like the beast that hip hop is, but I kinda embraced it from there. And I think I have a, a whole newfound respect and worldview because of it. Wow. That was that was powerful. And that was pretty epic. I'm glad you shared that story. Seriously. Oh, oh, and one other thing I was thinking. I'm sorry. Yes. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. So, I'm really, I'm really like tuned in right now. Go ahead. There's this other part of it too. So, for years I've been listening to like hip hop, and there was like this intangible thing in lyrics that always resonated with me too. And it was like a focus on like science and like math and then like lots of rappers from like Rockem to Nas. The five like, percenters? Yeah, was, they were doing this this stuff about, you know, it was in their rhymes. It was all like so part of an element of it. And it just seemed like all the the lyricists like kind of were like, I'm making a science out of hip hop and that there's like a, a science to life. And being a like a science driven person in my life, I'm like, wow, that that's incredible. And I remember I discovered what the 5% movement was and that it it's kind of like this this whole religion and that changed everything for me too because on one hand like I don't know if I because I'm not a religious person at all I'm not exactly gonna sign up for something that's that's so connected to actually being a religion because it's kind of branches off of uh, I think the nation of Islam or something at some point and not that I have any beef for them for that I'm just not a religious person but yeah when I think back to music, I think about how songs like MERS had the science. Do you remember that song? Yes. Yeah. And I think we like, talked about that in episode. Oh my God. That song. One is... or two or three. So, I'm going to see if I can find it. No. <laughs> but I yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And that MERS is another one that has kind of, he, like, he, I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but I mean, he was somebody I was really big on, especially after he did. Um, what was the joint you did with Ninth Wonder? Not the first one. It was the second one. I love that album. President? No, that that was the one he did with Warner Brothers. That that's the one the science is on. Let me see real quick. Mers, Ninth Wonder. Something like that. You're close. Um, damn it. Hold on. Mers for president. Sweet Lord. Murray's Revenge. Yeah, that was good. I love that album. 
I loved everything about it. It was 10 songs and it was so dope. And I'm like, this guy is so dope and everything. And it's like, he even got, he got the major label push from Warner Brothers. But of course that didn't work out and he went back to going indie and everything. But at the same time, when's the last time I listened to a murder song? I couldn't tell you. I couldn't. But the science, I know the science is a dope record. I listened to that album, Merch for President, like consistently, like for months after it came out. But that, that style of just like, I'm going to tell you how it is point blank right if i have some crazy conspiracy theories i don't care i'm going to tell you and this is how i've connected it all together so it's like my worldview that's talking about all coming together and that there is a science to hip-hop that is there like there are principles to it there are rules about what you should do and what you should not do and it's a a science and an art at the same time and after I kind of discovered the religion, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to avoid this. I don't know. I don't I just I don't want to be listening to disguised religious propaganda or anything. Brand Nubian. And then I like go back and listen to like J Live. And I'm like, oh, OK. And I'm getting this message. I'm bobbing my head. And I'm like, you know, it's not it's not really like that. It's just like it's just another element of uh, of rap, I guess. And now I can listen to something like. J Electronica and he can, you know, in uh, Exhibit C, he's got some some references to the 5% nation in there. Yeah, he does. And it's just kind of like, okay, well, maybe it just is like a, a more refined view of hip hop for me. And like, I can like take all the elements that the 5% nation brings into hip hop and make hip hop my religion, not necessarily hip-hop pulling stuff from its other religion so to me hip-hop is my religion like it, it defines everything that i do in one way or another and it's completely in, inescapable and so integrated that i can't do anything about it i cannot listen to hip-hop for two years and it still affects all of my decisions it gives me confidence and it just kind of makes me that person there's a hip-hop song for every moment that I need to get through my day. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's that's why it's still hip hop for me. Wow. I can't match that. We should just like end the show right now. <laughs> Man. Wow. Um damn. And speaking of cycles, because I want to say cycles one more time. I've gotten more into listening to R and B again, which is something when of course we started um first became real friends. And everything we were real heavy i was real heavy on r&b and everything and for some reason huh it's a dreams dreams son dreams that's right and um for some reason i don't know how it happened and this doesn't even really classify as hip-hop or not hip-hop as r&b but it may have spawned from the fact that they're on the back to the future soundtrack but somehow i got on this huey lewis and the news kick like from like you you know like they did the back in time song and like yeah. you probably listen to Huey Lewis all the time and I didn't know it like because they're like kings of um, Muzak in like stores and stuff you couldn't go in a store without hearing Power of Love or something like that and it's like Shazam tags that Huey Lewis Huey Lewis and the news have come up on really. <laughs> it's it's like there's a, they have like this whole catalog and I I never went so far to download like a best of or anything maybe I will at some point I mostly it's my Pandora but there will be songs that come on his and or his theirs I'm like man these songs are really good like he had a really good 
probably still does. He has a really good, powerful, strong, everyday man's voice, and I, I like his stuff. Like he's talking about power, love, or um, that he thinks that we're going to break up and all this other. Like there's so many topics and like bad drug, and it's just really topical music. And it was really relevant of the time, which is like in the 80s when it came out. And of course, in the 90s, they fell off. They went their separate ways, whatever. And I mean, they still aren't like relevant now. But I feel like their music that they did back then has, I, I feel like it's really still relatable. Like it, it didn't age is the thing. It didn't, it aged very well with the times. Like maybe not so much in the 90s when everybody was like, oh my God, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, blah, blah, blah. But for it to be now, it's like, I feel like the messages that are in the music, while simple, I feel like it still speaks to a very general audience, which is good. And so from that, I don't know whether it was a Huey Lewis song exactly or what song I heard, but there's something in the song that that sounds exactly like Mary J. Blige's Real Love, like the beginning of it. And I'm like, man, I've not listened to What's the 401 in years besides like random album cuts or just hearing Real Love on the radio or something. I was like, let me go digging through my music. And I found my What's the 401 copy. And so um, I was listening. I listened to that a few weeks ago. And I was like, man, this album is so good. Like, it's her first album. Like, it's the very first time. Well, not the very first time people heard her. She did a couple um, vocal features and stuff before Uptown put her out. But just listening to that album, like, it from start to finish is dope. And, like, I remembered so much from when my dad had bought the CD, like, in 92 or whatever. And then, like, I'd listen to it at the house and stuff. I was like, man, this song, this CD is really dope. Mary J. Blige is a great artist and all this stuff. And, like, listening to it as an adult and remembering all these words that I learned as a kid. I mean, yeah, she has a lot of her stuff is mostly about love and everything, but the way her her voice has always been so powerful even now. You you get Mary J Blige on a track. And speaking of which, Kendrick had Mary J Blige on his debut album, Go Figure. <laughs> but her her voice is it speaks to a part of your soul no matter who you were because i was um talking to a co-worker recently and we were trying to remember what that uh what the song was she had out with dre like around 2001 that was real big and it was called family affair like let's get it crunk up and and like because of course they don't say family affair the whole song so we couldn't think of the name of the song and she's like that mary j song and like no offense to her like she lives in Preston County and I think mostly if when she does listen to music it's like top 40 or maybe a little country and stuff here and Mary J's not on top 40 radio like that she's like that Mary J song and when she said that it it, it really um told me that <laughs> trying to get comfy there Oh, I'm getting something to drink. I'm yeah, I was like, I know you're not taking me to the bathroom, you dickhead. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it really spoke to me about um, just the power of her voice and how she has been able to cross over to different audiences. Because even like the, her first album didn't have a lot of crossover she's done plenty of crossover songs since then and she's on tv and people like yeah people probably do know who mary j blige is but the thing is it's like i don't think it's just that from her doing crossover songs it's the power of her voice and the way that she delivers and the raw emotion that she has in it what is that that's a coconut Ooh, put the lime in the coconut <laughs> No, I'm just gonna open up the coconut. And okay. Out the coconut. Cool. Matt's Matt's making um, open up the coconut, y'all. And 
from that, as I was listening to What's the 401, I got to the last song on the album, and Grand Pooba's on it. <laughs> and Grand Pooba, of course, he's from Brand Newbie and everything. I've never been a big Brand Newbie fan, but I've always respected their songs and stuff, everything like that. And I got to like halfway in the song, and then Mary started spitting. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I remember that. I was like, when did Mary J. Blige? As many times as I thought I'd listened to What's the 401 in my life, how come I could not recall that she's sitting there spitting on a track of Grand Poopa on her first album? And, I, and that was really awesome to me because not only did she, um, What's the 401, have such a hip hop sound, which is one of the reasons that it became so big and she was automatically like, she's the queen of hip hop soul because Diddy had the. Um, the foresight like let's put you over these hip-hop beats and really dance with new jack swing stuff so and then we can kind of get you in both arenas where niggas want to listen to you and then the ladies want to listen to you at the same time and it won't be anything like they're like oh man i really like mariah carey but i can't listen to this around the homies you know what i mean like i just feel like she's always had a great a great a power to reach people and the fact that it was grounded in hip-hop was my cycle Whereas, like, look what hip hop was able to do for this artist. I'm... That's not the only song that Mary J. Blige rapped on, though. No, I, I know it's not now. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of things I've heard her rap on since then, but it just, it really hit me that it was her debut album. And I'm sure Grand Pooba wrote the rap or whatever, but I was like, man, like, it's just like, even this, this, I don't know, 20 year old, 20 something, whatever she was. Like young girl who's put out her debut album, her first look for the whole world. Like she was inspired enough, or at least somebody was inspired enough to say, "We need you to spit this verse." And and it's like, well, we know that you're a singer, we know that you're not a rapper, but you've probably been around hip hop your whole life. We know you can do this, and we're it'll add something to your record. And it was, it really did. Like it just, it just made, it just kind of gave her that much more authenticity, at least for me. So I, I thought that was amazing. I thought I read somewhere that uh, Ben Diesel or something originally had like a a b-boy instructional tape or something when he was young. Oh God, he probably did. But you know, there's so many, so many things that hip hop is like part of other people's lives that we don't even think of that you would think of as being non-hip hop. Yeah. Mary J. Blige is not exactly the best example, considering she's like the queen of like hip hop R and B. Well, now, but I mean, even even so, uh, like I feel like if I survey twenty people, just random people in Iowa, <laughs> do you know who Mary J. Blige is? I'm probably gonna get like three out of twenty. I feel like that's true. The, is, that's my point, though. Like, yeah, she's she's famous. People should know who Mary J. Blige is. It's kind of like this weird game that I was listening to this podcast called Hype Men that used to be out a few years ago and they had this running joke where they were like do you think Jennifer Aniston knows who Drake is because this is like a year after Drake blew and they're like do you think he's important enough for Jennifer Aniston to know like do you think Jennifer Aniston knows who Mary J. Blige is I don't know do you think common person in Iowa does I don't know do you think black girl from Detroit knows who Mary J. Blige is yes so that's the point I'm trying to get at oh wow okay and it's it's so immersive now i mean even still some of the rappers that are household names nowadays blows my mind like two chains (laughs) two chains 
Well, like, you know, like Snoop Dogg, like, I think even like 80 year old people everywhere at least knows who Snoop Dogg is, right? <laughs> yeah, for instance, does know who Snoop Dogg is. And I think he actually finally put out that reggae album of his. I'm not sure if it came yeah. out. Did you yes. listen to it? Yeah. No. Not, I mean, nothing against it. I just, I don't know. Like, I he made that before. April 23rd. Yep. I have this, like, time shifted filter for, like, music getting to me now. I used to be all about catching everything when it comes out but now there's there's just too much like like you said you go on like rap radar or something there's everyone and their brother is rapping and all of them have albums coming out on this right same <laughs> it's like okay i'll give it a little bit of time if i start hearing that it's good in like my usual trusted places then i'll go give it a listen did you listen to food and liquor too yeah I didn't or is it food and liquor too i don't even remember what the damn album's called now now Lupe we we tried to talk to Lupe years ago but he would never listen to us <laughs> I tried to explain to him that Lupe you don't want to do this you don't want to be this person I I got as far as I think I got into the first song on Spotify and then I had never came back to it um Lupe he used to be untouchable to me I know that was your dude that, that was, was your guy the- that was like the highest rung of hip hop that someone could just like, I'm putting out this album. Here's my first album. I'm like, wow, this is what all rappers should aspire to. And then he had to screw it all up. <laughs> well, the cool, the cool was even better than food and liquor. I thought I love the cool. Yeah. He fell off for me after the cool when he like shaved off all of his hair and started acting like an idiot. <laughs> now he has dreadlocks. <laughs> oh, no, wait, sorry. When he grew his hair, he didn't cut off. <laughs> Because I never listened to all lasers all the way through. I have? Well, not true. Not true. I have listened to it in the background as it played on the radio, but I never listened, listened to lasers. But lasers has some joints on it. Like, words I never said was super yes. dope. Yes. Um, Out of my head was a good little pop look for him. Show goes on, of course. Crossed over big time. Um, all Black Everything, I really liked that. I mean, there was a lot of stuff on lasers that I liked. I just never took the time to really say, all right, it's time for me to listen to lasers. And even the, like, there's this one song I was mad wasn't on the original, um, wasn't on an actual album, was an iTunes um, bonus track called I'm Beaming that he did, and then Neptunes did it. And it was super dope. But there was not, like, I did like um, the one single they shot the video for from Food and Liquor 2, which was Bitch Bad. I really liked the message in that song. That felt like classic Lupe, but everything else, like Around My Way, Freedom Ain't Free, no. You know why? Because he sampled one of the songs that you never should sample and remake, which was freaking um, um, Troy. There we go. Uh, they reminisce over you yeah like how do you i mean and then pete rock was mad he's like you didn't ask you didn't even clear damn sample and everything so i I don't even know what happened with that but i did like bitch bad but that's an interesting subject i think about a lot i'm always asking myself what is untouchable in regards to samples and in for the longest time, I actually thought that some Tupac was like that. I mean, everybody like ran with like Tupac songs and did stuff with them, but I always thought Hail Mary was one of those songs. And lots of rappers have done that. Like Slaughterhouse did it. Uh, Eminem and Busta Rhymes dissed Ja Rule over it. Yeah, and it's just, okay, so what is sacred? 
maybe that should be the uh, the subject of our next show. What's sacred in hip hop that can be touched? That's not that's not a bad idea. I'm gonna jot that down in my trusty BlackBerry. Because <laughs> I used to think a lot of Pac was that way too. I used to think a lot of Biggie was that way too. Yeah. Like I couldn't imagine anybody rapping over niggas bleed. I wouldn't want to. But then you have some samples, like the complete antithesis of that. So if you look at uh, the Fugees and um, what, what was that big Lauren Hill song for like, it's like her most well-known song. Um, Killing Me Softly? Yeah, so Killing Me Softly had that dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Yep. That sample, that's been used all over the place. I know. If I was a better music person, I'd be able to tell you off the top of my head exactly where that was from. And I have no clue. But that's kind of like that, where uh, a sample can become so much an identity of a song, but yet it's still commonly used like everywhere else. Like it's kind of weird. I I I agree. Um, Because honestly, nothing is. If you get it cleared, there should not be anything that you cannot sample. But certain songs mean so much to certain people that that's why they get that way about certain things. Like my favorite Tupac song is "Ride on Our Enemies." Really. yeah really fuck yeah i'd say that's i'd say that's my favorite yeah off the top of my head wow there's so many songs i love of pox because you know i'm late i was a late pox bloomer anyway but i would i always love ride on the enemies i mean yeah i like that but that wow i never i never knew that about you but i also never thought that someone would say that was their like number one song from and and not the not the second version that came out like one one of the pox posthumous albums like the original like this is what it sounds like when we ride on the enemies like wow but Pac is my angry music though speaking of (laughs) mood music though if I'm really pissed off that Pac playlist is coming on and I'm gonna listen to the angriest shit ever because there's nobody I relate to being angry uh, like as far as rapping goes better than Pac like because there's been many as tried like DMX even like DMX like, like it's like that's he rapped like that on every song. So, but Pac had normal Pac. He had party and Pac. He said, "Nigga, I'ma kill you and fuck your bitch, Pac." And that was Pac. <laughs> That's my favorite kind of Pac. You know, I I love Machiavelli. <laughs> that that definitely serves a purpose with me, and he probably is my favorite like angry hip hop music too. But my favorite songs by him are probably either "Shed So Many Tears" or "I Ain't Mad at You." I ain't mad at you will be second because that's the song that made me want to rap, of course. Wow. So, uh, anything else? Any other thing that makes hip hop still for you? Um, I'm sure there is. How long have we been talking? I'm trying to. An hour or something. Okay. Well, we, we got a lot of material here. Um, why hip hop still? Because, all right, end of the day, bottom line, why hip hop still? I still get excited when certain things come out or when i hear certain things especially when i'm hanging out with e and like we're just kicking it at his house we'll listen to music and stuff like there's this little wayne song or a ti song just came out called um uh what's it called damn it's like little wayne hold on i'll figure it out little wayne ti i'm um hold on I'll, oh okay there's this little wayne ti song 
called um, Whip Me that they just put out. And the hook is like really simple and everything. And it's like, Whip Me, Whip Me, Whip And then the way, I mean, it's catchy. And they did a video for it. They're about to go on tour this summer. Um, but of course, it, um, the thing is, you hear Little Wayne T.I. You're like, oh, there's a song about hungry bitches and everything. And like, yes, it's it's a normal standard fare for them. Um, absolutely. But one of the things that it does is T.I. probably got some of the best Wayne verses he's spit in a while. Because a lot of people have said that since Wayne got out and put out Quarter 4 and, and I'm Not a Human Being too, and just in general, that the Wayne that was out, the Wayne before when he was the best rapper in the world... Yeah, I fucking said it. It hurt really bad to say that. But <laughs> the Wayne that was out, the Wayne before he went to prison is different from the Wayne now. And people say he, he's, all he does is talk about eating pussy and, and pussy, pussy, pussy. And I'm, I'm better than, like, yes, he's gotten really redundant with his lyrics. He's not as clever as he was before. But I feel like T.I. brought the best verses he could have gotten out of Wayne um, for the song. But then he came back and still beat, like, rap better than Wayne on the song. Because, like, I think he had the first verse. Wayne had the second verse. He Wayne took. He had a third verse. Wayne did the third uh, verse. And then after Wayne finishes his last verse, Ti comes in and is like da 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 and just like murders the shit. And then they go back to the hook. And like that song, like I heard on the radio yesterday again. And that song really makes me excited just for the passion that went into that song because it's like, yeah, we're two of the biggest stars of hip hop, and we could phone this in and just do it on the tour. But I feel like they've really like. I feel like T.I. sent it to Wayne. Wayne heard what he did and then sent it back to T.I. And then T.I. probably, I think T.I. added that last verse or whatever. But it, it just sounds like they were really, it was really competitive. It was like it had the hip-hop spirit in it. And then another song that I just heard not too long ago, um, uh, Memory, yeah, it's called Memories Back Then. And it's a T.I. song. I believe it is on um, his last album he just put out. Let's see, Memory. No, actually, it's from the album Grand Hustle Presents Hustle Gang. I guess this is T.I.'s new thing. It's his new compilation he's, that he's working on or whatever. But this single, it has B.O.B., T.I., and Kendrick on it. And I saw the, I heard a little bit of the radio, like when I was on the way to Ease. And we are, he's like, Oh, you ain't seen a video for that? I'm like, No, I didn't even know this song existed. Once again, how behind I am. And they all spit these dope ass deep verses about different situations with people that are going that um um that they know and everything. And the fact that you have again three of hip hop's biggest stars, Ti, Bob, who's king of top forty radio as far as rap goes, he's always on top forty. And then Kendrick, who everybody's like, he's the next big thing. He's gonna save hip hop. Like he's another one of those guys to a lot of people right now. Um, for them to be able to go in and do this deep awesome song and then because of the error win go shoot a video for wherever you want anymore like easily um and then put it out and it's have a song that has such deep meaning in all three verses and it's it's just exciting because the main thing for me why hip-hop still i feel like it's coming back to the fucking lyrics finally and after years and years of like having the certain lyricists out and of course, you go through the Jiggy era, then you go through the the Nelly, Eminem making silly songs, even though he's probably one of the best rappers ever era. And then you go into the South era, where Ludacris was the champion, Ludacris and T.I. were the best lyricists, but then you had stuff like Snap Your Fingers, which of course is a great song to dance to, or Lean, or not even Lean Back, um, rock, Lean With It, Rock With It, or Laffy Taffy, you go through that era, and then you move into the, the Lil Wayne era, where it's kind of like 
I'm a great like I'm a lyricist, but at the same time, I'm not the I'm not the the perfect artist that I could be. I'm not like I'm using like ten percent of my potential because I am a great lyricist and I'm exposed to everything. But at the same time, I'm not living up to my full potential. So real hip hop heads hate me, but everybody else loves me at the time. And then moving into the Drake Rick Ross era, where everything is real poppy sound and everything, and I, I and, and polished and Maybach music drops, and then the two chains. I just really feel like that going back to the cycles lyrics are coming back to the forefront and it's not so much oh i got this beat done by this person and it's not so much i did this song with this person i really feel like the younger generation now is more embracing the lyrics of what's being said again like we did when we first came in and like in the mid 90s when which is my favorite era of hip-hop and i i feel like because of that and because of the fact that hip-hop still excites me that's why hip hop's still for me. I hope that you and I have another moment sometime in our lives where it'd be like when Still Matic came out. <sighs> oh man. Everyone that wasn't there, Still Matic came out around the time that we were riding in the car with our best friend time. It was a uh, two thousand and late two thousand and one. And we were riding around in the car purposely. Riding around getting it extending the length of the drive as long as we could so we could hear that entire album in its entirety like ether was on there and that also was a just a crazy moment at the time oh well yeah you're right and it still excites me it's just it's funny that hip-hop excites me more now outside of the music than it does with the music but i'm okay with that because i still really like the music (laughs) right um I actually had a moment where I was like literally a block away from the house I was driving yesterday and Kanye's Dark Fantasy came on like the first track from My Beautiful Dark Fantasy and as soon as that can we get much higher so I was like I could not park this car yet I have to go I literally have to drive around and listen to the song and honestly the funny thing is as much as I enjoyed that song when it came out like I listened to that whole song and I was like, man, I still dig this song. But why does Kanye's verses sound so low? He needs to turn these verses up. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I had that moment yesterday. I, I know it's funny that you mentioned that just because of that. But I, I don't recall. I still haven't had a moment where I've been able to sit down and listen to a whole album like we did Stomatic, especially in that environment. I mean, hip hop was, I mean, that, that was one of the great years for hip hop obviously 2001 and to be with in the car with like three such people who were so passionate about hip hop made it even better cause even the other day I was I was at ease playing Madden and he's like oh, I haven't listened to this new French Tent Montana song thing and we were listening to it while we were playing and it's like in the background whatever it's like you know what this French Montana's not that bad even though he has a bunch of features on it and it's an album definitely made in the, um, the vein that I wouldn't like I'm not going to rush out and buy me French Montana's album or even listen to it on Spotify. I'm not like he's cool, but I, he's not my favorite. But at the same time, it's like you know what? His album really doesn't sound like trash, even though I'm sitting here on these sticks. Like I can enjoy it in the background, but even that, like that's probably the closest I've come to having. Not well, it doesn't even touch that moment. But I'm saying that's the kind of listening experiences I have now. Like everything is so broken up because it's like I'm in the car going to work. I'm driving around town. I might be sitting down here. I'm um, working on 
the website and I'll throw something on Spotify. I might be getting ready for work. Everything is so broken up. So the fact that we were able to have that total listening experience, which is something I always have wanted to experience, like at a listening party that they do for big albums and stuff. Like Kanye's just had one, Cole just had his. Like I always wanted to be able to sit there and experience it in a. It's almost like going to the movies. Like when you go on a pack night and it's the first time everything's come out and everybody's experiencing at the same time, there's a certain um, commodity or not commodity, camaraderie that uh, you experience with other members and audience songs are not being dicks. And it'd be the same thing with music. Like I, I feel like it would be cool if there was something that you could actually attend to listen to new music that way where you could do it with a group of people who love it the same way you do because it's there's as much as it's great to for me like when born center drops i finally listen to it i'm like man born center was dope but it wouldn't be the same as if i could listen to born center in a room with you and then 20 other j cole fans so and that's always something i've wanted to do and so that that that's why the still mad experience does have such an appeal to me that it, it does to you as well so we're hip hop still. That's that's a good verdict to reach. <laughs> yeah, we almost became what just manifesto. What did I say that one time? I sent you an email. I was like, I don't know if we have to talk about hip hop anymore. That was that was when I was in my discouraged mode. I was like, I don't know if we should do a show about hip hop. I still want to do podcasts with you. I just don't want to talk about hip hop all the time. <laughs> and you're like, um, no. <laughs> and then like probably about two weeks later, I was like, yeah, you know, it's not so bad, I guess. Well, what a lot of the listeners don't realize is how many people actually listen to the podcast, which always amazes me. Oh, yeah. I can't believe My wife is always like, you're going to monetize that? <laughs> Can you like throw some ads in or something? Well, in order to do that, we would have to have our own website and then we'd have to put ads. See... I think no, like, a lot of our hits come from like, where I post our episodes, though, because I just put them on archive.org. So when people are searching stuff on archive.org and then they're like searching hip hop, I think eventually they come to our stuff is what's happening. I don't think it's so much. I definitely don't promote the show on Facebook or Twitter or anything unless we have an episode out. So I think it just happens to be the format that we have the, on the site. So and I don't know, maybe we could monetize it, but what would be funny is like what will probably inevitably be edited out when I was taking a machete to a coconut here and drinking it. <laughs> I, I don't think that our established listener base that probably subscribes to us on the podcast section of iTunes or something is like, oh, what brand of coconut is he opening up? <laughs> <laughs> it's a Del Monte, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, man. Anybody starts hearing a whole lot of name dropping, they knew exactly what happened. Like somebody's rent's due or something. <laughs> <laughs> like shout out, shout out to Aeropostale for these shorts I've had since 2005. But uh, it's it's been fun as always. Yes. Thank you for listening yet again. And uh, we well, should we should tell them how to contact us before we say goodbye. I don't oh. think we did last episode. I don't know. I don't know if I'm I'm that close to the listeners yet. So I <laughs> well, you can you can get at the show itself at uh shit. Yep. Hip Hop Manifesto <laughs> at Gmail. I was mixing up my names at Hip Hop Manifesto Gmail.com. We are on the Facebook. Just search Hip Hop Manifesto. We are yep. on the Twitter. Hip Hop Manifesto. Um, an eighty-year-old man. The Facebook. It's like the ones that say the AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> 
I got the eights. That reminds me that um, on the very necessary album, Salt and Pepper, they had that whole skit at the end about this girl having AIDS because they were trying to spread awareness. Literally, she cried for like two minutes. Like, I got the AIDS. I didn't. We didn't use protection. Oh my god! It was. I mean, it was a good message for 1993 or whatever. But it was, you were hesitating. Like, you didn't know the address. I think you were like. You didn't want them to contact you either. You're like, I'm going to give them a fake number. That'll show. <laughs> exactly. Here we go. Number track 13. I've got AIDS. PSA. 318 of that. And literally, and that was on the end of Salt and Pepper's fourth album, Very Necessary, which also contained the hit singles, What a Man, Shoop, and, um, or was that it? No, that was it. What a man is you. The direct link to Amazon to make a few cents off any royalties for downloaded albums or streamed music. <laughs> Spinderella needs new shoes. <laughs> but thank you for listening. Contact us on any of the aforementioned methods. And the website is hhm.b-.com. You can get all our previous episodes. And we'll have more for you very soon. Yes, because we're actually talking again because we had a big falling out. That's why there was no episodes. Huge breakup. Yeah, we might as well just we'll just make up shit. We'll just like why why have you done episodes so long? Matt's a dick. <laughs> no, we all know that the real reason is because I won the Sasha Gray argument that we had on Twitter. <laughs> you did not win the Sasha Gray argument. <laughs> God. Uh, well, I, I, that's it. I've had enough. I love now, Sasha Gray. I gotta go. Uh, I'm glad she's not in the business anymore. I'm listening. I feel good for her. My dad just called and I missed it, so I need to call him Happy Father's Day stuff. So, I'm yeah. gonna call my pops too. I'm gonna call my pops. Good night, everybody. Good night.